today we have some experts with us to discuss and help you make very sound financial decisions this year. So helping me with the discussion today are Mr. AJ Sika Derek, the Executive Director of Bidvest Microfinance, and Professor Vera Ogefiado, who is an Associate Professor at the University of Ghana. Remember, you can join us live on Facebook and YouTube. We would love to hear your questions and to read out your comments and suggestions. So do stay tuned with us and also share the link with your friends and family. You can also send your comment to us on 0501-57996. Welcome to Let's Talk About. Thank you. Okay, so um, whenever we come into a new year, we know everyone has so many ideas and so many resolutions about half of them never gets done. So we have the people that are talking about their health. Um, people barely actually make financial you know, decisions and it's actually a very important um, factor. Because whatever you do financially may even affect your health and everything else. So today we are happy to have you here and let's dig into the discussion. So I'll start with you, Prof. Okay, so um, assuming a family just starts off its year and it's making all the interesting, you know, goals and we have to travel, they have to pay their school fees and all that. What would you say would be the very first thing that a family should talk about when it comes to finances in a new year? Okay. So when it comes to finances, um, typically it's, it's money that carries everything. The Bible will tell you, yes, money answers all things. So strictly you need to manage money. But one of the key things you would have to think about is you need to have a plan because it is the plan that shapes how you put money together. And so in that regard, we normally talk about budgets. So it's like you want to go to the market. If you do not have a shopping list, which is also defined by the kind of food you want to cook, mm -hmm. then anything in the market is viable. And of course, nobody has that kind of money. I'm yet to find anybody whose bank account doesn't run dry no matter how much they draw from it. Mm -hmm. So once you want to get into the realm of managing your money prudently, one, you need to have a plan. I've always said that one of my favorite texts is um, Luke 14, 28, 29. It says, who wants to build a tower mm. does not first sit to count the cost. So one, you need to know the kind of tower you want to build okay. and then count the cost. And counting the cost usually has to do with the budget so that you know that it's achievable. Mm -hmm. If you do the counting and you realize that the cost is too much, then of course you can begin to take structural decisions about which part you want to trim. Maybe you had a a tower that needed 10 stories. But looking at your money, you may need to trim down to four stories. Mm -hmm. It's still a tower, yeah. but it is your tower. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things you need to keep in mind as you start a year. Have a plan, and out of that, create your budget. You know, whenever we talk about plans and having plans, people always look out to the rich. Like, I have very little. Why should I plan? So, Mr. Jessica, um, Financial planning, is it for everyone or is it for the rich or those who have? If I don't have anything at all, I mean, I have just some um, two CDs, I can just, you know, I have a regular thing that I do. Can you budget with any amount of money or it just has to be a lot of money to put in some budgeting? Well, budgeting is, uh, it's not really about how much you have. I always say how much you really save um, is much more important than how much you earn. So no matter the amount of money you have, you should be able to save. The first thing you need to do actually when you get your income or any income is to save, okay? Because if you save, then you can look at investing. Then you can look at your budget, because what's the budget? Is this a plan of how to spend? So you know what is coming in. You've been able to save some. 
we know that this is the amount I'm going to receive every month. This is what I'm allocating to school fees. This is what I'm allocating to travel, entertainment, to charity, to God's work. Okay, so basically, you need to have a budget to be able to live properly. And it's not really about how much you earn. If you don't, if you don't have the budget, no matter what you get, it will go wasted. So you really, really need to save, no matter how little it is, or to be able to use what little you have to budget so that you spend within that little that you earn. So really, budgeting is for everybody, not just about how much you earn. Okay. So Mr. Jessica has mentioned another word, which is savings. Mm -hmm. And we also know something we call <coughs> investment. And people always confuse the two. So Prof, what is the actual difference between savings and investment yes. in a very practical way? Yes, so saving is actually the money you're putting aside. Investing it is putting it somewhere so it begins to grow. So whenever you're talking about investment, you're putting it in a place where it will yield something more. So yes, if I have some money that I didn't use last month and I put it aside, that's savings. But when I now take the move and I decide that, okay, I have this friend who's running a business. His business looks good. The structure is fine. I've looked at his business plan. I've looked at the strategies he's using, he's deploying, and they're great. I think this, and he says he needs money to expand so that he can, you know, generate more value. That is putting that money with him such that he works the money, and then it begins to yield return. So that's actually what makes that an investment. So there is, yes, there is really a difference between savings and investment. And speaking to the concept of savings, I believe that's one area where most people think that you need to have a lot of money mm -hmm. to be able to save. No, it's the reverse. So really, when it comes to money, you save, then you spend. Okay. So you must decide that, okay, um, and the saving, of course, will sometimes also be determined by the kind of plans you have. So, okay, for example, I want to own a car in three years, five years. And then <coughs> I work out the modalities of what goes into buying the car. I'll need this amount of money. And so I come up with how much I should be putting away each and every period, the savings, which I can then even invest to grow faster. Mm -hmm. So I will decide first what I need to save and then whatever I, um, I have left is what I spend on. Because the risk really is that when it comes to our desires and our wants, they are, in fact, boundless. Yeah. Our needs, the, we are insatiable. So if you work on the premise of you, let me spend, and then whatever is left, let me save. I can assure you, you would never have anything to save. So instead, you do the savings first. So if it's 10%, 15% of your gross income that goes into savings, you move it first. Then now, when you even come to your budgets, that kind of cap begins to shape you as to what you'll be spending on. So yes, yeah, some of this breakfast could be some omelets with some bacon strips and some baked beans. Yours could be Hauser cocoa and Kose, and you're still having your balanced diet. Yours might even be healthier yeah. in, in that regard. And so these are things you need to keep in mind. So I like the last example you gave with the food, and that mm. will lead me to my next question. So Mr. Jessica, what are some of the mistakes that people make in managing their finances, practical mistakes people make? And if you can give us some indication on how um, these mistakes can be avoided. Uh, I believe it's thinking that money, um, your money will never get finished or thinking that you always get money. Okay, that's one of the greatest mistakes. On God. <laughs> and um, uh, as a country, we are quite religious, so we believe on God, and also because we are such a supportive community, 
we believe that somebody's going to come through for us and support us. So usually when they don't come through, then we are very upset uh, at them. But we don't know whatever financial challenges they also face. Well, nobody actually owes us anything anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we are, we are very, uh, what's the word? Entitled on that entitled, figure. Entitled, yes. entitled people. So that's one of the mistakes we make, thinking that money would always be there or money doesn't get finished or you're depending on somebody. So that's the best way to avert that, I think um, Vera kind of mentioned it, is to save. Okay. So once you save, and as you were rightly putting it, what's the difference between savings and investment? Once you begin to save, um, savings is just putting away the money. Like, so let me use my kids, for example. So you have a piggy bank, they put the money into it. At the end of the year, take the money, take it to the bank, and put it in an account that has en that ends interest, mm -hmm. interest-bearing account. Mm -hmm. So that becomes like an investment because you're getting a return on it. Okay, so practically simple as savings and investment. So what, the way the way to avert that is to make sure that you save, and when you save, you invest. Okay. okay so that's the only way to um, deal with that challenge of thinking that your money will always be there, money will always be there. You always have a salary. No, nobody guarantees you that you, ca you can't get fired the next day. Yeah. There can't be redundancy the mm -hmm. next day. So that feeling that it will always be around is basically one of the major problems. Yeah. Okay. So, Prof. In that regard, quite a number of us live way beyond our means. Good. Mm -hmm. For quite a number of us, there are frameworks. Some of them are easy to get even on the internet, some benchmarks. So, for example, when it comes to where do you live, sometimes you start work, and the next moment you want to live in a neighborhood that has a street name and has a house number and whatnot. Why not? <laughs> it comes at a price. It may not be your time yet. Mm -hmm. There's a time to sow mm -hmm. and a time to reap. Mm -hmm. It may not be yet your time to live in that area. So let me give you an example. So two people could be employed, same salary. Mm -hmm. They, and then one decides, for example, let's say, hypothetically, I want to live at something, something, Palm Street, East Lagos. Mm -hmm. Another decides that I would live at Medina Estates. Now, that decision between the two of them, I give you what will happen. Now, you live in East Lagon, yes, nice house, simple, but it's a two-bedroom house anyway. And you may not pay anything less than maybe 2000 3000 So let's, let's be on the low side. You're paying 2000 2000 cities here, East Lagon for that two-bedroom house. The equivalent of such a house, almost same structure, but in Medina New Road may actually cost maybe a seven fifty or even a 1000 So here comes the case where once you live in East Lagon, you pay 2000 for this house. Yes, you have a house number, street name, exit, so you can write it nicely. And then this person lives it. But then this other person who lives there has access to, let's say, Trotro. So in the very early days of work, when they are not yet with children, etc., they take Trotro to work, etc. And so by interest, they actually have um, what I like to call a thousand city savings. Okay. Now, you who live in East Legon, Trotro doesn't make the rounds in mm -hmm. your area. So mm -hmm. you're forced to buy a car. Now, because you just started work, you don't have any savings and whatnot to tap into. And so you end up taking a loan. Mm -hmm. That loan also draws down your salary. So assuming you guys were all getting 5,000, you're doing 2,000 on rent. Your other colleague is doing 1,000 on rent. They end up doing, let's say, 500 or even 750 on transport. So in total, it's 1,750. Yeah. You had to do a car. So the car could even be 1,000 in terms of monthly uh, repayments. And then now you have to do the fuel. Mm -hmm. So by the time you add on, he's doing 750, you're doing 1,005. So add your 2,000, 
your, your thousand five. You're doing three thousand on just rent yeah. and then transportation. Mm -hmm. If your salary is five thousand, it means you're left with thousand five hundred. Now that becomes just what you manage for maybe food. Yeah. And so every single month you're down to zero. Mm -hmm. This person is doing their draw, so they're thousand for rent, a seven fifty for transportation that gives them 1750 meaning that they have roughly 3250 mm -hmm. even if they spend another thousand five on food they've got at least close to another thousand seven hundred which they save if they put in the right investment zone in a year thousand seven hundred by twelve we are looking in the region of about some twenty thousand thereabout now this person buys a plot of land year one. Mm -hmm. You're still renting. Your car begins to go obsolete. Mm -hmm. Now by the second, third year, this person struggles and they put together a cute facility and they move in. They stop paying rent. You, on the other hand, you live in East Ligon, a highly uh, in-demand location. Mm -hmm. So what happens? Your rent begins to shoot up. Yeah. So here, even though you're enlarging your tent, you've enlarged yourself into bankruptcy. <laughs> Some of us would like our children to go to certain schools yeah. for the prestige, mm -hmm. for the sake of belonging. Mm -hmm. They are caps. So there are two things. You go back and you look at how much money you're making. And there are some percentages you shouldn't breach. When you begin to breach those ones, you need to take a second look at yourself because no matter how much you're praying, at this point, uh, you're praying and not applying <laughs> wisdom. That's dangerous. Yeah. Very, very well explained. I like the examples, but I would want us to stay on this point, um, which hammers on the lifestyle yes. choices, okay? Yes. Because you notice that a lot of people, it's become very common for people to just be living above, you know, their means. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Mr. Jessica, I would like you to speak on it. So, uh, especially to the youth. Um, a lot of people just, and with the whole social media thing, so people are watching things and they want it now and they'll do anything to get it. Mm -hmm. So a um, person is hungry but would be buying the latest shoes. You know, the person is renting, like you said, but wants to be driving like the latest model of a car just because they want to belong in some kind of clicks. What, what would you say? And this time I want you to speak directly <laughs> to our listeners on what you would advise, especially to the youth, for them to do, and especially as Christians and youth, for them to do, what should they do? So that this whole you know, pressure that is causing them a lot of financial mismanagement um, stops or reduces drastically this year. I think one thing we all need to do, apart from budgeting, is cutting your quota according to your size. Mm -hmm. Most people always want to live um, beyond their means, uh, hoping that somebody else will pick up the tab when the time is due. Um, I, I used to tell my colleagues that um, when I worked at Zenith Bank that if anything should happen to me and I have to start, stand in front of the bank and sell water, I'll be able to do that because that is how I'll be able to defend myself. So I, when it comes to making choices, as Doc was saying, make a choice. Don't take your kid to schools that you can't pay and then you end up complaining or borrowing to pay the kids' school fees. Then you begin to create the hole, okay? Then now you are struggling and it becomes a very difficult issue. Don't, social media is just a facade which is made make-believe. I always see, you see a lot of people having happy occasions. You never see anybody post sad occasion or I'm sad or, uh, no, you only see happy things. They don't, when, they go to, when they go to their homes, you don't see them posting pictures, but they'll post pictures of them being at hotels or very expensive or nice places. And then you think that it's all well and good. But no, it's not, it's not like that, okay? It's just make-believe. So I think that as Christians and as the youth, we need to work within our means, not really caring what people think about us because the person you are worried about 
thinking that, oh, um, this person is looking at me, so what do I do? The person really doesn't care about you. The person will come to relieve you when you have a problem. So why don't you live within your means? Do what's comfortable. Wear what's comfortable. As long as the clothes are neat, your shoes are neat. What, 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 what? Look at um, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook owner. Exactly. He doesn't wear any brands. So why are you looking at Louis Vuitton and you think that's what makes you you? It doesn't make you you, you know? Even the richest of folk can afford are not buying. Because in, the person knows their self-worth. They don't have to buy those things to make them feel good or to make them feel that they've now arrived. I think that is the problem, the arrival mentality. Okay, so we are buying cars beyond us, taking our kids to schools beyond us. Things that, makes, that gives us stress. I think that uh, that's one thing that we need to put an end to because people really don't think about us as we assume they think about us. Okay, well said. So, Prof, um, my next question. Is it bad to go for loans? Are loans a solution? Always, sometimes never what do you say about it okay so loans are not bad neither are loans good <laughs> the main thing is that it depends so let me give you an example so when you have to take a loan there's a cost to the loan so let's say you go to take um and in in life you're supposed to be adding value to yourself mm -hmm. so every decision you take even when you move outside of finances it's supposed to add value to you so that Every, like when we are, go, we are here, we will be spending time here. It's a cost, mm -hmm. but what value does it bring either to us or to society in general? And that is why if you do what we call cost-benefit analysis, it's more valuable to spend that one hour here because what it generates is way in excess of the time we have lost. Okay. Now, when it comes to loans, so you go to the bank, for example, and you're taking a loan and the rate is 40% per annum. So if you were to take uh, 100,000, means the minimum, even if they give you the blank uh, APR, as we call the annual percentage of restraint, that pay 40% is not compounded. It means that at the end of the year, you should pay them 140,000 CDs. Really, there's nothing wrong with it if that 100,000 you were taking at the beginning of the year was going to be put in a business, a venture, something that was going to generate, let's say, 200,000. Meaning that you put in 100,000, you got 200 in total, meaning you got 100. So that there's a return of an extra 100,000. And then you have to pay the bank an extra 40,000. So if you were to take the 100,000 principal and pay it off, now the 100 return that you got by investing that money or putting it to use, you paid 40% to the bank. Mm -hmm. Then that means 60% of that is the value you have derived by taking on that facility. Mm -hmm. That is not a problem. The problem arises when you take a facility without counting the cost. And it always comes back to my favorite text, partly because I'm in finance. And whenever you have to do personal finance and you get those who preached to you and say, mm -hmm. oh, who said, be not anxious for tomorrow, <laughs> for tomorrow will take, take care, care of, of itself and all <laughs> that. Um, I like to say that the person who said count the cost, it wasn't Paul, it wasn't Peter, it was Jesus himself. He raised the dead, dead. he caused the blind to see, the lame could walk. He could command spirits, mm -hmm. but he said, sit down, count the cost. Mm -hmm. Be sure you can bring it to completion before, before you start. start. Mm -hmm. Now, if someone who can raise the dead is asking you to plan, <laughs> who, are you? who are you not to plan? 
not to count the cost. So here, mm -hmm. when you want to take a loan, it's neither good nor bad. It only depends on what value will be derived out of it. So if you're going to take a 40% loan and you're going to put it in something that is going to bring you 35%, who pays for the negative 5% that is going to be generated? And if only we'll sit down, so if you're going to buy a car, for example, if you could use the car, oh, now you're going to get new consulting assignments, etc., etc. Oh, hallelujah, and you're sure. But when you're not sure, everybody is buying a car. So you're buying a car. You're asking for trouble. So a loan is neither good nor bad. What it does actually is that it expands what exists. So if you already have an inefficient situation, it magnifies it. But if you've got an efficient situation, it magnifies the efficiency, and so you derive value. So the question is, before you even go for the loan, take a second look at yourself. Do you already have cracks? Because by going to take the loan, you're actually stretching the cracks. Mm -hmm. But if you've got a very solid deal running, by taking the loan, it means that you're lifting that solid foundation and building on it. So take a stock of your own life and decide mm -hmm. whether you have cracks or you've got a solid building to stand on. If I could we add to it, yeah. yeah, if I could add to it, I think um, I always say a loan is like a loaded gun. Okay, so it depends on what you use the gun for. Okay, if you use the gun to defend yourself, it's a good thing. But that same gun can, you can use to kill yourself. So a loan is basically like a loaded gun. So when you take a loan, and, and I tell, there are some loans when people come to my organization to take, I, I, I basically tell them I, I don't want to give them. Because you come to take a loan to go and do a wedding, it is not a smart loan. And that's what um, Prof was saying in very, very nice terms. Okay, it's not a very smart loan. Because that loan, what does it do? It goes into the wedding, it doesn't generate any income. But if you take a loan to buy a car, you use the car as an Uber, you generate income to even pay off that car. That becomes a useful loan, okay? If you take a loan, for example, to buy a piece of land, and you know that piece of land, the value is going to increase in five years, that is not a bad loan. Because the, the cost, even though you are going to pay interest, the value that it creates is able to be covered by that loan. So as long as your loan is creating value for you, it's a good loan. But if the loan doesn't create value for you, it's a bad loan. Most Ghanaians are taking loans for funerals, weddings, to um, put aesthetics in their home. TV. Okay, TV in their home. A bigger television, oh, I don't, the 60 inch is too small, I want an 80 inch. That doesn't create value. Unless the TV is supposed to be used for a cinema where people are <laughs> going to pay to come and watch. And that becomes a good loan. So it really depends on what you use the loan for. Okay, and if you have a business, sometimes in business, when you've gotten the right experience, not when you are starting the business, never take a loan to start a business. Mm -hmm. That is the best way to kill yourself and the business. Okay, so I'll tell you, don't take a loan to start a business. But when you have the experience and knowledge in the business and you need to leverage, okay, leverage is that, okay, so I have a good deal, I'm doing this and I have a contract. If I take this loan, I'll be able to pay and this is my return. So when I take out my interest from the return on the, on the business, it's still profitable. Then that's a good loan. So you take loans when you know it is beneficial, it, it creates value. If not, it's a very bad loan. Well, um, back to the good and bad loan and the reasons behind it. Especially because you mentioned some of our social gatherings that people take loans for. Um, I'm just playing the devil's advocate here. Please do. So in this year, I know there are people watching us who are planning their wedding and are going to take a loan. But they are taking the loan um, because they believe that people would, um, you know, give them gifts and, you know, give them some money. Even the church actually gives the whole envelope out anyway. Mm -hmm. So there are betters that, uh, you know, they'll do their kwa 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 plus one minus one. They know that they if they something. take some 5,000 Ghana CDs from a financial institution, it doesn't matter, the, you know, they will be able to, um, or the funeral, people give, 
Is it in Sawa? Is that what they say? Yeah, in Sawa donations. Yeah, so the donations may be able to pay, you know, that off. Would you still say because they are not really getting value? For them, it's, it solves a problem in the short term, and they envision getting that money back. Okay, Why shouldn't I, they take it? So can I answer that practically? Um, my dad is late, and when my dad passed, I was in the bank, so, oh, go and take a loan, go and take a I told them that. I'm not going to take any. I've taken all my loans. So I don't have any more loans to take. Okay. So what happened? What happens is that you cut out all the waste. People coming to the house, coming to live for two weeks, feeding and eating. That didn't okay. There was no money. Find your way. But my dad was buried nicely. And actually now the donations now becomes profitable. Okay, that's when you but if you if you assume people are going to give you money for your funeral, you'll be disappointed. Okay, you'll be highly disappointed. Your your expected return usually does not match what you've gone to borrow to come and spend. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I mean, practically it's happened to me, my dad passing, my grandma passing, I experienced all those both ends, one where, one where alone was taken, and at the end of the day, because it was taken from family members contributing. The, in someone wasn't enough, so now, Obiaka, let me put it that way. Everybody had to carry their own cross by what they contributed. <laughs> so taking loans for things that solves, and who says you can't solve the problem when you don't take the loan? Usually when you don't take the loan, the problem is still solved. Exactly. The funeral, would they not put the, the dead body in the ground eventually? It will happen. But when you take the loan, okay, now let's do brochures. Okay. If you don't do a brochure, would the funeral not go on? It would. But now let's do brochures. It must be colored. It must, this quantity, you, you do a quantity of 5,000 and you, you get 300 people coming. Exactly. So now the brochure becomes waste. So usually when you take loans for these things, they are excesses. Mm -hmm. But when you don't have a loan to do them, you, and you work within what you have, it actually, you find innovative ways of making the program exactly. very nice without spending. So I wouldn't advise anybody, no matter what, to be going for those kind of uh, loans. So, Prof, yes. um, when he was speaking, he mentioned about taking loans to start a business. Yes. Um, so, people, I mean, a lot of people have business ideas, and they don't have ways of financing these ideas. Would it be totally, like, wrong or bad to take a loan? to start a business, especially when you don't have any other, that means, what if you have a business plan, you've done all the you know, analysis, and it looks like you're taking a loan to start, you know, all things being equal, you know, with all the, uh, by the end of the year, you should be able to make some returns and be paying off. Uh, how do we start businesses if we cannot, you know, if it's a bad idea to go for loans? Okay, so a loan for starting a business, I'll say 99 to 1 is a bad idea. Mm -hmm. And that's how it works. So you see, when you take a loan, I always like to show the figures. So let's say we even have a business that uh, would yield returns. Now, when you take equity, we call that patient capital. Mm -hmm. You grow and then you pay off. Yeah. So you can compare taking a loan versus doing equity. That, where you get others to support the business by being part owners, which is something we have a problem with in mm -hmm. Africa in general, equity aversion. Okay. I want to be the 100% owner of a thousand we Ghana don't business. Trust ourselves. Good. <laughs> but Mark Zuckerberg, like he mentioned, is the 13% owner of Facebook. And he's the person we know, mm -hmm. but he only owns one three, meaning that 87% is not him. Mm -hmm. But the business is worth $8.4 billion, right. the last time I checked. Mm -hmm. Now, flip, I'm coming back to the issue of the debt. When you take debt, 
because debt is an obligation that immediately arises from that. You never get the chance to truly grow. It's like this, it's like you've planted the cocoa tree. It needs five years to mature. Mm -hmm. And then it can actually give you fruit for maybe the next 10 years, 15 or 20 years, I'm told. In fact, maybe when with coconut, I'm told you can even do 60 years plus. But when you go for debt, it must immediately yield fruit. What it means is that your, your plant must suddenly become like the tomato plant. Mm -hmm. it, it has a very short time within which it must start yielding money. And most firms actually that went that route have actually gone into bankruptcy. So because, let's say, you have a business, you borrowed one million. With the one million that you borrowed, you're supposed to even took a loan maybe 15%. 15% means that every year you should pay 150,000. Mm -hmm. Let's assume that is all that you actually make in the early days of your business when you are not known, you're yeah. not popular, so mm -hmm. you may, so that 150,000, in addition to the 1 million, is what you could use to add back, and then suddenly becomes a 1.15 million business. Then you're going to use that 1.15 to do another 15, and then, but if you are forced to, and the loan you took is also 15%, and you're also returning 15% in the business, what really happens is that at the end of the year, the profits you make is what you use to pay off the loan. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more. Mm -hmm. The next year, you are back to being a one million business. Mm -hmm. Whereas the person who did equity will do 1.15. They grow by another 15%. In five years, when maybe that loan, supposedly, and in this case, if it's one million, you need about seven years to clear the one million. As you mean, they are not even adding anything. And here you're only paying the interest. You haven't yet paid the one million. So after six years, thereabout, you've only paid interest. Mm -hmm. Now they need the one million back. You are still at one million. Now let's reverse. Somebody who started with one million, year one, same note, at the end of the year has 1.15. They round it up. It takes them roughly to 1.35 something. The next year they'll be hitting 1.5. By the fourth year, they've hit 1.7. And then by the fifth year, they've hit almost 2 million mm -hmm. with a compounding effect. Mm -hmm. Now, even if they had to pay back that 1 million to the original owners, mm -hmm. now because equity doesn't have this uh, fixed obligation, it means that even if the person forces you to pay back the entire 1 million, that, okay, I don't want, I want to be a part of the business, okay, pay me, you may still have something left to now regrow. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the main issue that even when you get a moratorium, and currently in Ghana it's terrible. If you even do a 32%, for example, loan, after five years, you need to pay back four times, even if they do a moratorium. So if you take one million, after five years of 32%, you need to pay back like four million. How are you going to pay that? Mm. Would your business have grown from one million to become a four million? It would just collapse the business. Exactly. Whereas if it was equity, because it's patient capital, you could actually have grown to become two million. Mm -hmm. Then you've given them something. Yeah. In a, and because you give them something, with 1.5 or even two million, you grow faster. Mm -hmm. And then you can give something mm -hmm. back. So when you're starting a business, it is very, very dangerous. 99% too dangerous to start with debt because you're literally setting up yourself for failure. Unless there's some other parameters nobody knows. But the general sense, you shouldn't try it. <laughs>
Okay. So you I'll, want to add on? Yeah, yeah I'm going to add on. I think um, key components when you want to start a business, mm -hmm. your own savings. Mm -hmm. Okay, so save your own savings. Two, as Prof said, equity. Equity simply means asking somebody to buy mm -hmm. into your company, become a part shareholder or a part owner of the company. And we, she's exposed all the benefits. Three, you can look at um, angel investors, okay? Angel investors, people who believe in your idea and they think that uh, they have some money they can invest in it, okay? So um, even angel investors sometimes will take up some part of the business yes. and maybe check out at a point in time. But these are three cardinal things you need if you want to start your business. Once you are doing your business with a loan, it becomes a burden. Okay, it just becomes too much of a burden. And as she said, you know, you you not be comfortable. And usually, because of our current interest rate dispensation, is I won't advise anybody that's a good idea. Unless it's a contract, okay, unless it's a contract. Say you have a very, um, a very a blue chip company like maybe MTN has given you a supply contract. Secure. Come and supply as um, A4 sheets, mm -hmm. 10 boxes. Signed. So you have a signed contract from MTN. We all know MTN yeah. is going to pay. Yeah. So if you come for a loan to go and do that contract, mm -hmm. it's a good because you would have looked like now I'm supplying each, for example, maybe one box is thousand CDs. I'm supplying five boxes. And MTN is willing to pay, um, and the cost of the um, buying one box is actually maybe six or seven hundred because I'm sourcing it from a very good place. Yeah. So you have a margin of four hundred CDs on every box. The bank loan, the cost of the loan is maybe two hundred CDs on a box. So if you add the cost of the box, 600 plus, your cost of the credits, okay, or the loan, 200 cities, that becomes 800. MTN is willing to pay you 1,000 per box. That's when you take the loan and you do it. You are now in a positive position of mm -hmm. having 200 cities as your return on every box. Okay, so for such a deal, mm -hmm. it's a good idea to come and take a loan to go and do. You may it's, not even be a startup, actually. It, yeah. it, so it's a good thing to do something like that. So it really actually depends on what business you have to do. But if it's business in general, as you write, it's all things being equal. In business, nothing is equal. <laughs> I can assure you that in business, nothing is equal. No matter your budget, your plan on the table, it is never, the, in reality, it's never the same. Uh, I do a couple of things, so I know that it's never the same in reality. So. Yeah. Let me add something. He mentioned angel investors' mm -hmm. equity. One of the key things that we struggle with especially within our realms or in our environment, is the fact that people want to start business and all they do is to come to you. Oh, you know, I have this business idea. <laughs> and so I wanted if you can support me. Sometimes you ask them, so how much do you need to, oh, about 30, okay. Mm -hmm. What is the 30,000 going to be used for? Are you using it to buy machinery, um, you know, supplies? What exactly? Oh, I used it to fix a few things. Okay, what few things? Okay, so I asked a question like, okay, so what's your burn rate? And, huh? They're not speaking their language. <laughs> so what was the runway? Okay, well, let, let me break it down. How soon will the business make profits? They don't know. Oh, in about a year. How soon within the year? In about a year. Is it two months? Is it three months? Okay. What's your typical monthly demand or annual demand? How much do you hope to sell? Oh, you see, we are trying. <laughs> Everything is vague. Mm -hmm. So one, there's no documentation. Mm -hmm. They really don't have any idea. Mm -hmm. There are no, should I say, there's no understanding even of the economy and what is sellable and what is not sellable. They just want to move and then, oh, uh, somebody should support. Yeah and then it becomes a problem. Yeah. So even if you intend to use an angel investor, they don't know jack about your business. That's true. So there should be a clearly 
defined document that tells them this is where we are going. And we are making this assumption based on A, B, C, D. And so when this happens, this is how we intend to fix this. And when that happens, this is how we... Only then can you get someone to be willing to part with money because money is not easy to come by. And so it needs to be managed prudently. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think um, once people take loans also, they, they start off their businesses doing needless things. Exactly. So exactly. For, for example, we have social media now and a lot of people can actually sell online. Basically, all they need is data. Mm. Um, but somebody wants um, a, a shop, shop. on yeah. Boundary Street in yeah. Islegon, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, the address. Exactly. And they will stay there the whole month, and they are not Nothing. selling anything. Mm -hmm. But they will not move because it's prestigious to be on the Boundary Street or mm. be on the Lagos Avenue. Exactly. So that's actually one of the... the, the things that people do when they get loans. When they get loans, they get so excited. Oh, yes. Like, you have nothing, you're about to start a business, somebody throws 100,000 Ghana cities to get you, confused. and then all of a sudden, decor becomes your, your priority. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, our viewers are actually sending in some comments. We have a comment from Kukwa Esel Ado. She said, this is very insightful and detailed discussion. Yes, we're actually having a mini uh, finance MBA here today and so <laughs> go ahead and remember that you are live on Facebook and YouTube and so share the link invite somebody and this will be of use to them so uh, mr. Jessica let's bounce back to savings so there's this whole idea of like we said earlier it's um, savings is for those who have money because if I have not yet eaten I mean what am I saving um, what do you have to say about this and give us some practical ways of saving, even if we earn 100 Ghana CDs a month. Okay, so as I said, it's not about how much you earn, but about how much you save. I think one of the first things that you do, um, I'm a Christian, so one of the things I do is pay tithes. And if you read the book, Richest Man in Babylon, it talks about paying yourself. So first pay your tithes and then pay yourself. You are paying God 10% as a Christian. What stops you from paying yourself also as a Christian, personally. So save, pay yourself 10%. So no matter what you're earning, make sure every month your 10% you are putting aside. It doesn't really matter, matter the amount. What matters is that you are, put, you are putting something aside. And once you begin to save and ha develop that habit of savings, you then move on to what? Investing that money. And you can always benefit from the power of compounding interest, okay? So compounding interest basically means interest on interest. So even if you are saving 10 CDs every month, and it's on, it's on any investment that is giving you compound interest. It means that at the end of the month, if they're even paying you, say, 10% for argument's sake, they'll probably add like a one CD or something to it. Next month, you now have 11 CDs which they are paying you interest on. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you actually need to save, which is important, because if you don't save, there's nothing that compound interest can do for mm -hmm. you. Zero. Okay, it's, <laughs> zero times, any number is still zero. Exactly. <laughs> so if you, do, you have zero, no matter the interest that's applied, you still end up with zero. Okay, so save. Pay God your 10%, pay yourself 10%. Once you do that, invest that money in something that gives you, um, that has compound interest, interest on it, that gives you a return. So I think that I would advise that no matter what you earn, even if you are paying a loan, you pay your, your tithes, pay the loan, and pay yourself. Okay, so no matter what you're doing, make sure you save, because that is the only way you can make it out of poverty or increase your wealth, if I should put it that way. Grow your wealth. You know, the whole act of savings, I think some divine intervention is needed because um, <laughs> theoretically, most people know they have to save. 
but the uh, money just um, disappears. Okay, and, so and it, it gets like it happens often. Yeah. So I know people have like some accountability groups. What, what things do you think, you know, because you are willing to save, okay. but all of a sudden somebody gives you a call um, from the village telling you your grand oh, auntie, you're yeah. a Christian. Yeah. It's so hard. You, can, you, you just yeah, have to yeah. send something. Okay. And then the next time, uh, you know, you are driving on the street and you find this man that is begging for money and, you know, the Lord touches your heart and that money, you just give it out. And it's going. The next time your friend is getting married and you need to buy your friend that gift and it's gone. And your family contributions towards a funeral, if you're, if you're unlucky, to have five members of, of, your, <laughs> of your family pass out in one month. And now all the family groups, they also have WhatsApp groups. And so you are even taxed. I mean, your uncle, uncle, uncle that you don't even know. You have to send him money. What do you do? You, you want to save. What do you do with that? And that okay, 10% so you are paying yourself cannot handle that. Mm. So okay. as a good Christian, some of these social benevolence you must do. Do you have to go and dig into the savings? Okay. So, because um, you are paying yourself, will not, will not do it. <laughs> okay, so there's this training I do, and I tell people that put your investment on autopilot. Exactly. So when you are paid, you know, you know that you are paid into an account. So mm -hmm. it's either you are signing up and standing order mm -hmm. or an AC direct debit where the finance company or rights come to take from your account. Mm -hmm. That is the only way. When I do the training, one of the questions I ask is that if your brother asks you for money, what would you do? They said, oh, I'll give it to him. So what if the money wasn't there? They said, uh, then it's not there. Mm. They should go somewhere <laughs> exactly. else. That is our reality. So if you don't put your, your 10% or your investment on autopilot, Auto, yeah. it will not happen. You also complain about uh, um, what you do in terms of, you see, I, I always say there are three accounts everybody should have, okay? You need a, a regular account where you spend from. Most of us have the regular account. You need an emergency account where you are putting money for an emergency. So when you are, assuming you lose your job, what do you do? So looking for a job will take you six months to a year. So your emergency account must have monies that can be in that place for like six months. You need to also define your emergencies. What are emergencies? If you have a best tie, is this something you plan for? Is it in your budget to have a best tie? No, it becomes an emergency. So then you go to your emergency account to take up that money. Okay, then you need to have your retirement account or your investment account. Okay, so um, these are three accounts I believe everybody should have. And that is a way of protecting yourself. And when you, you set these three accounts and you put a standing order on it and the money moves, you are free. Because if the money is there, you, you will give, you would give you would give. But if it's not, nobody would die. I learned it the hard way when one time I forgot to send money to somebody who had asked. And nobody died. I said, oh, wow. So nobody would die. I was like, okay, okay. This is a real, like an eye opener to exactly. me. So nobody's going to die if you don't send that money. Yeah. Truth, they'll go to the next person. Like, like I said, and I think you raised uh, the autopilot issue is something. So make it a standing order. Okay. And so when that happens, you are now living within. It's the same thing, even corporates. Corporates do a lot of CSR. Mm -hmm. But when the CSR budget is done, it's done. Mm -hmm. You don't go because the idea is no. good. Then you go look for no. money that was earmarked for something else to be used for CSR mm -hmm. because the mm -hmm. idea is great. No. And I think it comes back to something that is within our society that may need to shift a bit where the people who are asking actually sometimes have looser lifestyles than you, yeah, the one they yeah, are asking yeah, from. Exactly. Because whilst you keep a budget and say that, okay, I must spend within this band. So food-wise, these are the things I do. Clothing-wise, these are the things I do. You find that some of the people you are actually funding mm, who give mm, you pressure deep. have lifestyles way beyond. Yeah. You will end up buying an ATL because, you know, you wear the options for Holland. You buy Hollanders <laughs> maybe once or twice in a year. Every 
outfit they sew must be a Holland and GTP. You and you are doing high target. <laughs> at best, you do an ATL and you are done. And these people would never. In fact, if you dash them an ATL, they get angry. Yeah. You dash them a high target, they get angry. Mm -hmm. If you're going to gift them something, you better gift them and gift them well. Yeah. Okay, so if it's, we're fine. So the, these are things we need. So make sure, like you said, mm -hmm. autopilot, it moves first. Mm -hmm. Then now, so that when it's not there, even your food, and sometimes we, maybe if the money is sitting on the account, you can go yeah. shopping and suddenly you're just swiping and swiping. But you if it's ideas. not there, you're forced to come and sit down and then start tabling everything oh, okay so this week mm -hmm. this is what we're going to eat next week and everything must fit within let's say a 500 a thousand cities so if that is what it is then clearly you begin to now even prioritize the kind of spending i have when i train i use this model i like to call it a muscal mm -hmm. m-u-s-c and then the m is a capital but the u is a small and then the S is a capital, the C is a capital, the O is a small, and then there's a W, which is N, and I like, it's must. Everything we do in this law, everything we have to spend on, needs to be separated into needs versus wants. Now, the must-haves are the essentials. You can't do much about those. Food, shelter, clothing, they are must-haves. However, even within the food, shelter, clothing, you, you need to go through the same iteration mm -hmm. because uh, a Calvin Klein is definitely a would like to have. <laughs> but a basic outfit to put on your back and not be cold is a must have. Mm -hmm. So you need, to, there are must haves in those life. They are should haves. They make life nicer. You won't die if, so the must haves are usually essentials. Mm -hmm. you, you, would, you might die if you don't have the food. Mm -hmm. Should have. Oh, it, it's, it's great. It makes life even better and richer, but you don't die off. Mm -hmm. Could have. Oh, it makes life sweet. Would like to have. You have actualized. So when it's food, it's a must-have. But the kind of food you have needs to also go through that iteration. So yes, you, you, things are a bit tight. You looked at your budget. Now you need to prepare stew. Some time back, you used to do your corned beef stew. One corned beef exit, and the last time I checked, it's so around 58. 58 yeah. Thank you. That's a whole crate of eggs. So you might as well then downshift and start doing egg stew minus your corned beef. You're going to be healthier, <laughs> and you're going to save a lot of money. <laughs> and there are ideas you can work out, because mm -hmm. sometimes we become so fixated. You must eat. Yeah. You want to do your house cocoa and kose, try one cup with whatnot and that could feed an entire family because if you buy your condo four cities worth of condo can feed a family of six with their morning cocoa mm -hmm. and then you add your bread and etc so that one cup that would affect just you with your kose can actually put food on the table That's for true. let's say a family of four or six so mm -hmm. why would you go that time when you can afford it nobody's stopping you please by all means you can do your house of cocoa with them some milk yeah. and then you can add the granules and then the kose if you like buy the bread and then put the, the kose, kose inside. inside nobody's going <laughs> to stop you but when you can't afford it and you need to save mm -hmm. you need to step back and then and we always say when they say necessity is the mother of invention we take it for granted once did a trip to india it was actually a study tour and then there was this indian doctor who was running 
a surgery that typically runs in the U.S. for about 60, between 60 to 70 thousand dollars. This man was running it for about 10 thousand dollars in India. Mm -hmm. And so we're curious to find out how he could offer that differential for the same service. And he was like, when you got money or you think you have money in your bank account, your brain stops working. That's true. But when you don't have money, you get innovative. And that's what he said. He said when they didn't borrow, mm -hmm. they could come up with an innovative way of fixing the problem yeah. Yeah. without blowing money. Even yeah. if you think there's money, everything you just runs loose. Yeah. And usually the outcome is not pleasant. So yeah. it's something we need to think about. Okay. So we have um, a comment from Osei Comfort. And she says, nice one. I'm loving the conversation. Yes, um, we are still live. Facebook, YouTube, do well to send us your questions, your comments, and still enough time for you to share the link. Now, I want us to go into investment, okay? I mean, a few years ago, the whole thing about investment and there's our economy and people are a little bit scared. They'd rather have their money under their pillows and holes in their rooms, in cap wardrobes, you know, they can just keep the money in there because um, you never know what will happen. So um, starting from you, Mr. Jessica, what would you say is the, the, the things to consider when you want to invest? Okay, so one, I would say be sure that wherever you're going to put the money is regulated by somebody. Okay. Okay, so in the financial space, there's BOG regulating banks and specialized deposit-taking institutions. There's SEC regulating the securities companies like Data Bank, uh, EDC, Stanley, and all of that. There's insurance, National Insurance Committee, that's that one. And there's the Pension Regulatory Authority. So be sure that, one, they are regulated. We all saw what happened in the financial space, but because um, they were regulated, government came in to kind of, you know, ameliorate the situation. But those who took their monies to uh, men's gold, nothing happened because it wasn't regulated. So be sure that it's regulated. And be sure to check on the regulator's website mm -hmm. whether that institution is on the regulator's website, not just person just saying that uh, they, they, they are regulated. So those are key things before you put your money anywhere. Um, so um, that's what I would say, Doc, you can add yeah. out. So yes, when it comes to investment, currently the landscape is a bit shaky. But as an economy, we are likely to bounce back. So it's not the time to panic and start withdrawing your money from places so unless you genuinely need the money for something else. You just, every, every market economy sometimes goes through highs and lows. Mm -hmm. in, in finance, we like to call it the trust and the, we boom. And then once in a while, we, all, we are still rising, but it, so that's one way. So even if you have your money with the EDCs and whatnot, if you don't really, really, really need it, emergency, for which reason you are trying to liquidate, you just let it sleep, let the economy, you know, shake itself back up. And then, in fact, in, in other economies, this is where people actually buy. Okay. Because now, when you look at your, for those who look at their investment statement, when you look at the mark to market, it means that currently if you want to buy, you're likely to get at a lower price. So you, in what we say, you need low, national high. high. So you can buy low, and if you don't need the money, just lock it and go sleep. The economy will bounce back. Now. Like he rightly said, you need to, I'm sure we'll come back to it, risk tolerance. When you want to invest, don't be looking for get-rich-quick schemes. Honestly, if any business or any deal typically offers you something beyond 40%, sometimes even after 35%, beyond government, which is even dangerous, we still say, but because it's treasury, worst case, they'll print money and pay you. As to whether the value is what you get is a different story. 
But the bigger issue here is that when you start getting or seeing funny interest rates and it's looking so good and lucrative, you want to shine it again because usually, so let me give you an example. So we go to an institution, an institution says, oh, let your money work for you and 5% per month. The first thing you need to, so you see, we do the one side and because we were a religious um, set of people, we don't want to acknowledge that there's risk. I don't know how we manage to always downplay the risk in the downside risk and always on the upside. So here, someone says, let your money work for you 5% per month. Okay, 5% per month, that, thing, that place is a financial institution. What it means is that 5% per month, five by 12 is 60% per annum. Mm -hmm. Now this is what you are getting. So if you're the one coming to put the money with me, a financial institution, I am promising you 60% per annum. But I am the one doing the work, the intermediary work. I also need to pay my workers, I need to pay my rent, etc. So I'm now going to take that money and go and lend it to Derek to do business. Even if I'm a good Samaritan, I only take 10%. It means I'm going to add the 10% to the 60 I have promised you. Mm -hmm. That makes it 70%. It means I'm going to lend to Derek at 70%. Okay. Now tell me, Derek is the one now going to do the actual work. So I'm the middleman. Mm -hmm. He's going to do the actual work. How much should he also be making for being the one to break his back to generate the money which will pass through to you? It means he needs to make like 100%. Okay, mm -hmm. now let's start. How many businesses make 100% per <laughs> annum? So clearly, we're going to be robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. This is not a solid foundation. So in the beginning, we'll look good because, oh, they take this person's money and they use it to pay this person. They take this person. It doesn't, and because they're getting the money, there's a hype. Mm -hmm. Hey, this place is good. Everybody then suddenly, it. it's funny, if you give me two CDs today, I could give you 100% return because two CDs, oh, let me buy some four or five sachets of water. When I retail, then at the end of the day, I'll give you four CDs. Until I go and make noise and they bring me two billion Ghana CDs. Mm -hmm. There's no way I'm going to have space to turn around two billion mm -hmm. and make it four billion in a day. Yeah. Yet you find our people sometimes selling this concept and we all fall into yeah. the trap. Yeah. And then the next moment, boom. <laughs> and everybody, everybody is sinking. So there's a question here from George. Are there any examples of investments um, for the compound interest that Derek mentioned? I think there are, there are several examples. Um, if I'm permitted or allowed, uh, my company, which is Bitvest, has a product called BitPlus, which works with compounding interest. But there are lots of products around. And I think you speak to your bankers, you speak to your RMs, your relationship managers, and ask them what products they have in their portfolio that can give you compounding interest. So it's always good to talk to your bank and see what they have. And you could also shop around and see what others have. So it's, it's important that you, there are various products that you can benefit from. Okay. All right, so um, your last words, I wish we could go on, keep talking, it's getting really Because I had a lot to exciting. add to what you were saying, yeah. but yeah. I, I realized so we had of time. Maybe you, so. you use that as your closing <laughs> remark. So yeah. Prof, what would be your closing remark for people that are listening, yeah. for them to make f um, sound financial decisions yeah. this year? Okay, so I can add and say that first and foremost, as Christians, we are supposed to be evangelizing to people. Mm -hmm. I think if you ask me, strictly speaking, I'll call it a bit of bad evangelism. If you fail to manage your finances in a manner that makes you an appealing 
you know, person to the next person who's watching. Because somebody could be watching you and say, okay, then I want to be like this person. And it shouldn't be for the wrong reasons. It shouldn't be because you're putting on airs, etc. But they can see that whatever you have been given, you know, given as a person. So we talk of the, the parable of the talents. Yes, some people are given five. Others were given two. You could be given one. What are you doing with what you've been given? We always say that not all fingers are equal. Truly, yes, some will get five. Some will get two. You got one. Are you going to be the type who does not manage it well? You're going to dig the ground, put it in there. When the Lord comes, when the master came, he took it from. So if you don't manage it well, it reflects on you, and even what you should get, you're going to lose out on that. So I think that even as Christians, it's very critical that we become very you know, much oriented in terms of how we manage our money and know that it is a way where we are evangelizing to the rest of the world. So mm -hmm. if we don't manage it well and it comes back to bite us one way or the other, we are doing a disservice to the faith. And that's what I can say. Okay. What about you, Mr. Jessica? Well, I'll just say that everybody needs to learn about finance. Read. Uh, read books. There are various books you can read. The Richest Man in Babylon, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. There are a whole host of books you can read about finance or personal finances. All those books talk about budgeting, planning, how to take loans, and all of that. So read, one, understand where you're going to put your money. Know what the company is using your money for. I, as Vera said, I wanted to add to what she's saying. If somebody promises you a return, the question is, what is the person using my money for to give me the return? Be sure what they are using your money for. Okay, those are cardinal. And um, even though we, most people say they are afraid to invest and save, I think it's, it's worse that you do nothing. The worst thing that can happen to you is to do nothing. Keep moving. I keep saving, keep investing. The system will bounce back, the economy will bounce back. So keep saving, keep investing. Read, get to know about it. Know your risk tolerance level, okay? Know what your risk tolerance level is. If you are risk averse, you are afraid that you lose one CD, pick investments that the risk are, are very, very low, okay? Go for government, let me say treasury bill, Stay with Bank of uh, Ghana regulated companies because you can't lose your principal. But if you go and buy shares, it means you are buying into a company. So when the company does well, you do well. But when the company folds, you lose all your return. So be sure of where you are putting your money, knowing what your risk level is. So that's what I'd like to leave with our viewers. It has been a very interesting evening, and I do hope that um, despite all the economic challenges, this evening's discussion is going to help you and be a, a perfect footing for your financial decisions this year. We are grateful for the presence of Professor Fiado and Mr. Derek Ajaysika for joining us today. My name is Edinam Ajaysika. I have been your host this evening. See you same time next week. Have a good evening. <laughs>